Revelation chapter 22. And he showed me a river, a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which, had, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no night, there shall be no more curse, uh, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there should be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, nor the Lord, for the Lord giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto them, These things are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the, the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the, of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him unjust, be unjust still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter into the gates unto the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, and the bright and morning star. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is athirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of this book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that you've allowed us to be in your house again. We thank you for everyone who's come. We pray, Lord, that you might use the message today to challenge our hearts that Jesus is coming soon. We don't know just when, but we know it could very well be that it's in our lifetime, and it might be, you might be coming even today. So help us to realize that, Lord, and if there's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, may today be the day of faith for them. They would put their faith and trust in what Jesus did for them on the cross of Calvary, how he died for their sins and he rose from the grave. I pray that today they would believe on you. Give enablement, Lord, to bring the message, accomplish your will through it, and we do pray for our country this morning. We ask, Lord, that you might help our leaders to have wisdom, help them to fear God. And then, Lord, we pray for the people in Ukraine who are hurting because of all that's going on there. We ask your blessing upon them, especially for the Christians who are there 
give them boldness to proclaim the gospel to people who surely need it at this time. And we'll thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, the world is on edge over the situation in Ukraine. Sinful men are doing horrible things, and many innocent people are being hurt or killed. A ruthless, murderous dictator, Vladimir Putin, is working to bring the country of Ukraine under his control. He is willing to do whatever it takes to accomplish his goal. It doesn't bother him that innocent people, men, women, and children are being killed. It doesn't bother him that families are being displaced, separated, and women are being raped by his soldiers. It does not bother him that buildings and homes are being destroyed. He is willing to hurt, kill, and remove anything that stands in his way. Some believe that Vladimir Putin is the richest man on the earth because he personally enriches himself with any deals that are made with his country. But money and possessions do not satisfy a man who's drunk on power. But in a time like this, we must remember that God will bring sinners to judgment and will fulfill his will on this earth. You see, God has a plan for these latter days, and Putin will not alter his plans. Ukraine might fall to him. Ukraine's military and civilian fighters might be no match for Putin's military force. But mark my word, Putin is no match for the God that he mocks. According to Isaiah 40, he's like a grasshopper in the field. He will fall, and God will be the one to bring him down. It might be through sickness. It might be through a heart attack. It might be through a brain aneurysm. It might be through an assassin's bullet or, or a bomb. Or he might be the leader of the invasion into Israel spoken of in Ezekiel chapter 38 and, first, and chapter 39. But if he is, it will still be God who will bring him down. Because of the events happening in Ukraine, many have had questions about the relevance of all this to Bible prophecy. Is Russia and Ukraine mentioned in the Bible? If so, does it involve what is happening today? Is the return of Jesus soon? Should we be looking for Jesus to come any day? Well, today I want to try to answer those questions as we consider the subject, why expect Jesus soon? Let me give you some reasons. I'm going to give five why we should expect Jesus soon. First of all, we should expect Jesus soon because he told us to do just that. I don't know if you noticed in the passage we read this morning, but the Lord told us he's coming quickly. Now, this, the book of Revelation, the Bible tells us in ch- chapter 1, verse 19, tells us of things which shall be hereafter. And you read the book of Revelation, you find out that God says several chapters dedicated to the tribulation period that's coming after the Lord Jesus comes to take his church out of here. And uh, it tells us about the tribulation period. Then it tells us about the millennial reign of Christ, which is a thousand years. And then it tells us about the eternal state, which is going to happen after he destroys this earth, following the millennial reign, and makes a brand new heaven and a brand new earth. And the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven to sit on that brand new earth. We read all about that in the book of Revelation. God also promises in chapter 3 of this book, verse 10, that he will not allow his church his people to go through that coming, that time that's coming to try the world. And I believe that's that time of tribulation. He will take us home out of here. Jesus said his coming would be soon. In chapter 22, verse 6, he said, things which must shortly be done. And the things which must shortly be done 
are the tribulation, then the millennial kingdom, and then all that. But things that will shortly, shortly become, will happen will be, first of all, the tribulation period. In chapter 22, verse 7, he says, Behold, I come quickly. In chapter 22, verse 12, he said, Behold, I come quickly. In verse 20, he said, Surely I come quickly. I've shared this with you one time, I believe, but I heard an illustration one time about a pastor who was preaching on the subject, and the church was packed, and people were sitting right down close to, what, to, close to the platform. And he would emphasize this, and he said, Behold, I come quickly. And then he said again, Behold, I come quickly. And the third time, he was close to the edge of the platform, and he said, Behold, I come quickly. And he fell off the platform and into the lap of a lady sitting right there. She said, oh, he said, Oh, ma'am, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And she, he said, preacher, she said, Preacher, don't worry about it. You warned me three times that you were coming. <laughs> and so it is. You know, the Lord said, He's coming quickly. Well, why should we believe He's coming quickly? Because He told us He would. Why should we expect Jesus soon? Because he told us that he would become coming quickly. You remember 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 says, One day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. So compared to eternity, time here doesn't mean much. And to the Lord, it's a thousand years is like a day. So when you look at it like that, the Lord hasn't been quite gone quite two days. Since he ascended up into heaven, you see, he lived for 33 years on this earth, and then he ascended up into heaven, and they believe there's been a mistake about uh, when Jesus was born, and some believe it was actually 4, 4 B.C. rather than 1 A.D. because of a mistake that was made. If that was true, then we haven't yet reached 2,000 years. So it's only been two days or less than two days in that sense since the Lord's come. And so in God's way of looking at it, it's very quickly and it could be any time. Also, there's another reason that Jesus, that we should expect Jesus soon. And that is because no prophecy remains to be fulfilled before Jesus comes back to rapture his church. It's called the imminent return of Jesus. It could happen at any moment. Nothing is, is recorded in the scripture that has to happen before Jesus comes back. Now, you often hear people say that prophecy is being fulfilled every day. I wish to disagree with that because I don't think it is. Prophecy is not being fulfilled every day. The stage is being set for prophecies that are told us in the scripture. Quite often when people say that, they're thinking about Matthew chapter 24, which says such things as this, you will hear of wars and rumors of war. People say, look, all these wars, that's what the Bible says, wars and rumors of war. Well, it's true that there are wars and rumors of war today, but that's not a fulfillment of prophecy because that prophecy is talking about the time during the tribulation period. Also, you'll hear about nations rise against nation, Matthew 24. Famines, Matthew 24. Also in Matthew 24, we read about pestilence and earthquakes and Israel hated by all the nations and many offended and that people will betray one another and hate one another and iniquity shall abound and the love of many shall wax cold and the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world. I've often heard it said that we will hasten the Lord's return if we'll spread the gospel through all the world. That's not what that says. 
The Lord says during the tribulation period, the gospel of the kingdom will be spread all over the world. You see, everybody in the world doesn't have to know about Jesus, doesn't have to hear the gospel before Jesus comes back to rapture his church. There is no prophecy that needs to be fulfilled before he comes back. That means it's imminent. It could happen at any time. Now, we also need to note in Matthew chapter 24, it says other things. It says the abominations of desolation shall stand in the holy place. Well, that sure hasn't happened. That's going to happen during the tribulation period. It says that in, those in Judea shall flee to the mountains. It says then, then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world. And it says then after, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun shall be darkened. See, Matthew 24 is a tribulation passage. And all the prophecies there that says it's going to happen, that's going to happen during the tribulation period. And so it's not correct for us to take one of those and say that's a fulfillment of prophecy. In a strict sense, it's not. Because what it is is the setting of a stage of something that's going to happen during the tribulation period. And when it happens during that time, it'll be a fulfillment of the prophecy. You see, in Matthew chapter 24, we also read of something else. It says in chapter 24, verse 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. That is not the rapture. That is the second coming of the Lord at the end of the tribulation period. So it's the rapture, it's the tribulation period, and then it's the coming of the Lord in power and glory to set up his kingdom. And so uh, the point is this. Jesus could come soon at any time because there's nothing that needs to be fulfilled before he comes. Everything is ready. Jesus could come. We could say it like this. We're not looking for signs. We're looking for Jesus. We're not looking for signs. We're looking for Jesus. But then there's another reason. We should expect Jesus soon because the world scene today is set for what will happen following the rapture. The world scene today seems to be set for what will happen following the rapture. And uh, the stage is being set. You know, everything is set up and ready. And it looks like if the Lord would come now, the, everything that hap- that's prophesied to happen after that it can come on. There's nothing that needs to be done to set the stage. It seems like it's set right now. Now let me give you some, uh, some parts of that scene, that world scene. First of all, the religious scene. In Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, The day of the Lord shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed. Now, the day of the Lord is that time when the Lord intervenes directly upon this earth, and that starts at the tribulation period, when God brings judgments upon this earth. If you study the day of the Lord in the Scripture, you'll find that that's talking about a time from the from the, after the rapture of the church until the Lord's finished with this earth, the day of the Lord on this earth. And so that's, and he says that day of the Lord will not come except there come a falling away first. Now, people have interpreted that different ways. Some people even say that's the rapture. I believe it's speaking of apostasy. Apostasy is happening today, but the great apostasy will, apostasy will take place once the church is gone. Then there's no, nobody holding back, and everything will, uh, will just go haywire as far as religiously is speaking. There'll be no adherence to the Word of God as, as, uh, as churches or that. Uh, 
there won't be because the, the man of sin is going to take, take, take charge. And so the Bible says in verse 7 of that passage, the mystery of iniquity is already work. So in Paul's day, the mystery of iniquity was already working. He's not saying it's going to. He said it's already at work. And it will culminate when that great apostasy takes place, when Jesus takes us out of here, and then the apostasy takes place that will, all the world will go toward and they'll follow the Antichrist eventually. There's a lot of religious activity today. But as you know, much of that activity is not biblical. There are a lot of churches, when the rapture takes place, they won't even notice it. They'll go on with their services, they'll go on with all their religion, and they won't even notice. There might be a few people missing that day, but maybe they were sick. And, uh, and of course, if there's some that uh, are in attendance, they, they will notice because their clothes will be there, but they'll be gone. But many churches today, you know, are following religion, doing all religious things, but they really don't know Jesus. I mean, you can go to a church for months and never hear the gospel presented. Uh, that happens in churches all the time. But uh, so re- religion is, taking, is, is going on right now, but it's not true. And when the Lord t- comes and takes his church out of here, there will be nothing holding back everybody just going that way and following a world religion and a world leader and all of that. Um, so the, the religious scene is part of that world scene. Another part of the world scene is the political scene. The world is so given to sin today that radical ideas are accepted without any problem at all. For a long time, the radical idea of evolution has been accepted. It's not only accepted in schools, but it's accepted by the government. Today, the radical idea of climate change, that we're going to destroy this planet, is taking over so that many politicians believe that's the number one issue. They're more concerned than that, and they are about what's happening in Ukraine and people losing their lives, is uh, this climate change thing. Well, that's because political scene is, is messed up so much. And today, the political scene in the United States is such that leaders today have no fear of God. They adopt policies that are totally contrary to God. I mean, they even believe that there's more than two genders. How can you get more ridiculous than that? But that's what they accept, and that's what they believe. And you remember, the, the Antichrist is called what? The man of sin. So if the government is all involved in sin and approving of sin, it won't be much for after the church is gone for them to follow the man of sin. They'll be willing to do that. But also, you'll be interested in this. What is happening in Ukraine today is preparing the way for future prophesied events. You see, in Ezekiel chapter 38 and chapter 39, it tells about a power in the north who's going to come down on Israel. He's called Gog and the land of Magog, and then allies are mentioned as well. When they come down on Israel during that attack on Israel, the invasion of Israel, that's going to happen, I believe, during the first part of the tribulation period. When they come down on Israel, the Bible says they will take goods and cattle, they will take silver and gold, they will take great spoil. Many believe that part of the great spoil is what's found in the Dead Sea great mineral deposits that will be needed by the, the, these forces. 
And uh, so they will come down. And they'll have in their mind that they're going to overrun uh, uh, Israel, little Israel, and take all the wealth from her. The power is defined as Russia by many Bible scholars. Gog is described as Russia by many Bible scholars. The land of Magog. Many years ago, during the time of Christ, there was a historian by the name of Josephus. And Josephus said, the land of Magog, this was 2,000 years ago, you know, and he, he was commenting on the land of Magog and what it was. He says the land that was controlled uh, earlier by the Scythians. And uh, that today is a land that involves Russia, uh, Ukraine, and Kazakhstan. That's that land the Scythians controlled. And so if that's true, that's, that's very much for us to be thinking about in this time when Russia is trying to take over Ukraine. Meshach and Tubal and Gomer and Togomer, mentioned in, in chapter 38 of Ezekiel, is present days, many scholars believe, is present day Turkey. Persia is present day Iran. Ethiopia is present-day Sudan, and then Libya, which still goes by that name. Now, when you think about it, when they come, it's Russia and all these allies. They're coming from the north, they're coming from the east, and they're coming from the south. If you can imagine a map, and here's the Mediterranean Sea over here. Coming from the north is Russia, Ukraine, Kazakhstan, and then Turkey from the north. From the east is Iran, and from the south is Sudan or Ethiopia and Libya. And so they're all coming at Israel like this. They have a wonderful plan. They're going to take this little land, and this land will be no match for them. That's true. Israel will be no match for them. But they will be no match for God. <laughs> because the Bible says in this passage that uh, they're that as they come down, the Lord takes place. And what ta this takes place during the first part of the tribulation period and what God does to destroy this force. And remember, this is not the Antichrist. The Antichrist is developing his powers in what was the former, uh, former Roman Empire, and it did not involve these nations. But these are separate from him, and they're coming down to take Israel, and God destroys them. Uh, Israel doesn't destroy them. God destroys them. He does it in different ways. This passage says he uses a great earthquake so that it terrifies everybody and affects everybody. A great earthquake. Then he confuses the soldiers who are in that battle so that they turn and kill each other. And then the Bible says he sends pestilence. He sends an overflowing rain. He sends great hailstones, fire, and brimstone. And brimstone is sulfur. And God uses that to destroy them. And it says like this in chapter 38, verse 15, the Lord does it because he says, my fury shall come up in my face. When you attack God's people, God gets mad. <laughs> and you don't need to have a strong military in Israel to attack it when God gets mad, because, uh, to attack the enemy when God gets mad, because God will do it. And the Bible says he's going to do that. Now, what's interesting is that today, Russia is taking over Ukraine. And Bible prophecy says that Ukraine is going to be part of that northern force that comes down. 
And so God is setting the stage. This Russian aggression has also done something else. And that is it's united those, those countries that are going to be a part of the Antichrist, ten kingdoms. Uh, ten uh, kingdoms that are going to follow him. And those countries are more united than they've been probably ever because of what Russia is doing. And so the Antichrist, his future uh, countries that he's going to control are becoming more united. And when this takes place, even though Russia and all these countries will be against Israel and they'll seem to be separate from, from the Antichrist, that the Lord is going to take care of them. And so the Antichrist's potential enemies are defeated and before the Antichrist really takes over and controls, which he'll come to ultimate power in the middle of the tribulation period after that three and a half years. So what's happening today seems to be setting the stage politically for what's going to happen as soon as Jesus takes us out of here. So does it sound like Jesus coming as soon? I believe it does. I believe it'd be right around the corner because of the political scene. But then there's also the economic scene in this world scene that's being set. The economic scene. Today, currencies are in danger. Today, there's a push for a worldwide currency. There's much talk about one world order. There's one, much talk about the reset. There's much talk of everything getting, uh, being changed so that everybody's on the same page. Today, we talk much, there's much talk about a cashless society. And the technology is in place which would allow, make the, the plan of the Antichrist very doable. I mean, it's not even hard to imagine anymore. Years ago, it was hard for us to imagine how the Antichrist could control the world by a mark of the beast on your hand or your forehead. How would they do that? Well, that's no, no question today. We know they can do it. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 13, and I'll remind you what, what it says. Revelation 13, verse 16. And he calleth all, this is the Antichrist, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive the mark in their, in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that hath the mark of the, or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that understandeth count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred threescore and six. Six, six, six. That's the number. And so the Lord says the Antichrist control everybody. Now, we've experienced recently in our own country, and they're experiencing it even more in other countries, that the government controls, and they want to control. And we saw it during the epidemic, the, the COVID epidemic, that... Uh, that um, they want to control things, and they're willing to do it. And they're willing to make you not go to church. They're willing to do all kinds of things we wouldn't have dreamed of before. And so the government under the Antichrist, with the church being gone, think about that, all the right uh, influence being gone, all the restraint to evil being gone, the, the, the church is gone, the Holy Spirit who, who indwells the church, he doesn't seem to be working the same way in the earth now. And so the, the devil has free course and everything seems to be going well. And so when the government the, under the Antichrist gets, Christ gets the power to control everyone, he'll do it through a mark and he says, you must have that. 
before you can buy or sell or anything. Now, how serious is he? Well, in chapter 20 of Revelation, verse 4, he says that those who will not comply will have their heads cut off. That's hard for us to imagine almost, but that's the way it'll be. Such control that if you won't do just that, have that mark in your hand or your forehead, you'll have your head cut off. And the good news is that the picture, the picture in heaven is that there's multitudes of people who are there because they were beheaded for the cause of Christ. And so they were willing to take their stand. The Lord wants us to be willing to do that as well. But we know that during the tribulation period, the, the political scene is such and the economic scene is such that the Antichrist will control. Also, there's the moral part of that world scene. And that is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 9, talks about the last, way, the last days. And the last days are the days we live in today. The last days were from Paul's time all the way uh, to, to, the, uh, to the tribulation period. Those were those last days. And so we're living in those last days. And it says in that passage that, that it's going to get worse and worse. So it was already happening during Paul's time, and it's going to continue, and it's going to get worse and worse. So we've been told that it was getting worse in Paul's time. It's continued to get worse, and we see that happen today. The moral scene is, I mean, it's never been this bad before. It's just breaking down not only in this country, but all around the world, the moral scene. Well, when Jesus takes the church out, the world would gladly fall the man who's called the man of sin. They love their sin, they'll follow the man of sin, which is the Antichrist. But also there's another reason we should expect Jesus soon. And that is we can see that Satan is emboldened. He is emboldened. It seems like he senses something happening. He is more bold in opposing life. I mean, for years now, he has opposed life. Let me tell you something. The devil loves death. He loves death. He loves the movies that with a shoot-up movie, you know, just everybody's or just blow them apart. He loves that. He loves death. He likes it when children are aborted. He likes it when people take their life. He likes it when, when young people and older people alike lose their life to drugs. He likes that. He is somebody who loves death. He's the one that introduced death, who brought death, and he loves death. And so he's bold in, in, in today because he is, he's involved in this death. He's more bold in opposing not only uh, life, but also in, 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 uh, opposing Christians. And we've never seen it as bad as it is now in the United States that Christians are being opposed. And worldwide it's happening. Christians are being opposed. Also, he's bold in his opposition to Jesus, and uh, he's becoming more bold all the time. It seems like the devil senses that his time is getting close. He is more bold as he sees the U.S. in decline. I believe the devil takes notice. When he sees the United States of America in decline, morally, economically, politically, in any way you can think about it, it's in decline. He sees that and he's emboldened by it. He, the, weaker, uh, the weak U.S. is emboldened by 
and, and by, we see it by, in nations like Russia. We see it in nations like China. We see it in nations like Iran. They are led by Satan's helpers. And Satan has the same attitude that they have. And that is, they are going to take advantage of the weakness of the United States and they're going to become emboldened. Our enemies are more bold today than they've ever been. And China has been emboldened against the United States. Russia has been emboldened against the United States. Iran has been emboldened against the United States. And we could go on and on. All this is happening because the scene is being set for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And after that, the the establishing of the power of the Antichrist during the tribulation period. And then one final thing. We should expect Jesus soon because Israel is in a dangerous position and a vulnerable position at that. You see, Israel is in a dangerous position. First of all, because the United States' support of Israel is declining. You all know that to be true. We hear it from politicians and that uh, even some politicians are bold in their denunciation of Israel. I remind you, Israel is a chosen nation of God. And God says he will bless those who bless them and he will curse those who curse them. Israel today is in a vulnerable position and they're in a dangerous position. They're surrounded by enemies that are are siding up with Russia and China. Anti-Semitism is on the rise. You hear about it all the time on campuses. A study was done and says that anti-Semitic propaganda has increased in the United States in, in the year 2021 by 27%. That's a big increase. Anti-Semitism. You know, you know, at the end during the tribulation, or at the end of the tribulation period, it seems like the whole world will be against Israel, led by the Antichrist. In fact, when the Battle of Armageddon takes place and the world comes, it's against Israel. And uh, they're against Israel. Well, it's happening right now. And I believe that this, this uh, happening of, uh, is making it so that the, that the uh, nation Israel is more vulnerable all the time. And you can imagine, when God removes Israel's best friend, who is Israel's best friend? It's not the United States. Israel's best friend are Bible-believing Christians. Because we know that through Israel, we got our scriptures. Through Israel, Israel we got our Savior. And the best friend of Israel is Bible-believing Christians. And when God takes all Bible-believing Christians, truly born-again people, home to be with him, and the earth is, is rid of them, and they have no influence anymore, Israel and all this anti-Semitic uh, feeling of, of the world is going to be post, is going to turn on Israel. And then the Antichrist is going to deceivingly stand up, and according to Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, he's going to make a covenant with Israel that's going to last for seven years. He's going to, he's going to promise to protect them. And so it's interesting in Ezekiel chapter 38, when, when Russia and all those allies come down on Israel during the tribulation period, they come because they see the land of Israel is at peace, There's no walled cities, which speaks of no protection, really. They don't have to worry about it. Why? Because they have the world leader, the Antichrist, guaranteeing their safety, and they're vulnerable. And so when 
when all their friends are gone and enemies all around them and the world leader says, I'll guarantee your safety. What will they do? They will sign the covenant. They will sign the treaty. They will accept it. That would never happen under any other condition but that the world stage is being set and then finally the church is taken away. And then they sign that petition. You see, I believe all this says that the Lord's coming is very soon. He told us that he would come soon. There's no prophecy yet to be fulfilled before he comes. The world scene is set before, for what will happen right after Jesus returns to take his church home. The world scene, seems, this world scene seems to be set. Satan is emboldened. We can see it everywhere. And Israel is in a dangerous position, and we can see how they would sign that treaty if the Lord would take us home. And that could happen at any moment. So the question is today, are we ready? Are you ready for Jesus to come? Have you trusted Jesus as your personal Savior? Have you put your faith in him? Have you come to the place where you believe the gospel that says Jesus came to this earth to die for your sins on the cross of Calvary? He died and paid for all your sins. And then he rose from the grave the third day and he offers to you salvation if you'll just believe on him. Are you a friend of Jesus? Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? You know, the Bible says, I think there's great evidence in 2 Thessalonians, that if you hear the gospel over and over here, and Jesus comes back, if he would come back tonight, and you're not saved, God will send you strong delusion so that you will not be saved. You will believe a lie, the lie of the Antichrist, and you'll not trust Jesus. So if you're not saved, the time to be saved is today, not to wait, because Jesus could come tonight. He could come today. He could come tomorrow. It could be very soon Jesus could come. And for us as Christians, we should understand that since Jesus is coming soon, we better be about our, the Lord's business, serving him, living right, rejecting sin, saying yes to righteousness, and serving him in whatever he wants us to do and sharing the gospel with others. Let's be what we should be because someday... Very soon, we could see Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for reminding us that Jesus could come very soon. In fact, you tell us, Lord, that you're coming quickly. Help us to believe that. If we thought, well, years ago we thought the same thing, well, it's just that many years closer than it was. And we could, you could come back today, we know that. Help us to live like that. Help us to live like we believe it. And if there's somebody here who is not saved, may today be the day they trust Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.